in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Spirit of God, and by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and were not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell. I'm after your hearts, not your heads, is a refrain often heard by college students in Dr. Mitchell's Bible classes. In his own words, his goal was to help you fall in love with the Savior, and his teachings always tended to fill your mind with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was also a pioneer radio speaker. In his day, there were no tape recorders, so he and his organist had to be at the station five evenings a week. He was heard live every weekday on radio stations in the Northwest. The Unchanging Word is an independent Bible study, but by the grace of God, we can still benefit from the ministry and teaching of Dr. John G. Mitchell. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. And Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then Jesus prayed, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known your name and will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Select verses from John chapter 13, John 15, and John 17. Dr. Mitchell continues our study in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 beginning at verse 4, The Paradoxes and Patient Endurance in the Ministry by the Word of Truth and Unfeigned Love. Here's Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you, and we're studying together the second book of Paul to the Corinthian church. This blessed epistle especially has to do with the ministry of the Word of God and with the minister of the Word of God himself. And Paul here is vindicating his apostleship, his ministry, and his love for these Corinthian believers. It's a wonderful book, especially after you've gone through 1 Corinthians, where the apostle Paul wrote them a strong letter as we shall see later on in this book, how he, he trembled afterwards whether he should have written it or not. But in our last lesson, we were dealing with patience in the ministry, that we're workers together with each other, beseeching men to receive the grace of God, not to receive it in vain. 
That is, to hear the gospel and make an empty profession or to hear it and turn away from it, but to receive it in reality so that your lives will be manifestly the children of God. And then you remember the reason for that is in verse 3, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to know that we can so walk before God that men will be encouraged, encouraged to come and accept the Savior whom we love, whom we serve. God grant those of us, and I speak those of you, whether you're Sunday school teachers or pastors or teachers or evangelists, whatever your ministry may be, give offense in nothing, that the ministry be not blamed. And then you remember in verse 2, the intimation is very strong that the time will come when a person will not be able to accept the Savior. Now is the accepted time. And because of the fact that we are God's representatives, beseeching men to be reconciled to God, we must be urgent in this because the time is limited. There will come a time, as I repeat it, there will come a time when you'll not have that opportunity. And I plead again with men and women who are listening to my voice today, or if you listen to any man teaching or preaching or evangelizing, and as you listen to them, remember the Lord Jesus is still giving you another opportunity to accept him as your Savior, as your Lord, as your God. Now we come down to the, to the question of Paul's patient endurance in verses 4 to 10. Having been dealing with the personal behavior of God's servants in verse 3, not to give an offense, and by the way, it's very easy to give offense even when you don't understand it and don't know it. Oftentimes you offend somebody and don't even know you're doing it. And it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing being a minister of the Word of God. I'll tell you very frankly, after being preaching the Word of God for approximately 60 years, being a pastor for a great many years, over 40 years in the pastorate, I want to tell you very frankly, it's, a, it's easier to run a business than to be a pastor of a church if your heart is open to God and to His people. People are so sensitive so, shall I say, so few really understand the position and the experience and the burden of a man or a woman in the gospel ministry. I just say this because you can be a tremendous help to your pastor, to your teacher, to Christian workers, to your missionaries. May God grant each one of us as workers together will so live that the ministry will not be blamed. Then Paul goes on to speak, of his endurance in verses 4 to 10. These are pressures upon the Apostle Paul. I want you to mark it. I'm going to take the time to read it. In all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. How do we approve ourselves as the ministers of God? In much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. Man, here you have the pressures upon a man. And notice the first thing he says, approving ourselves as ministers of God in much patience. Oh, brother, how we need patience. It's so easy to become impatient. 
And if there's one thing that we ministers of the gospel should have, patience, patience with people, even when they are impatient. In fact, I would say we give offense when we're impatient. May the God grant to you and to me to have much patience in afflictions, in afflictions, when you suffer for it, in necessities, when you're not cared for, in distresses, when you're trying to do the right thing and it just seems to be the wrong thing at the wrong time. And then in verse 5, the persecution from the outside in stripes. When we come to chapter 11, you remember, he takes up these things. Forty-five times received I forty stripes, save one. Forty stripes was a death sentence. And Paul, five times, was beaten within an inch of his life. But be patient in afflictions, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. I can't help but think of Paul in the Philippian jail. He had gone down to Philippi. He and Silas, he had preached. Precious souls had been saved. city was stirred up. And Paul and Silas were beaten with rods and then cast into, into jail in the inner prison, feet in the stocks, backs bleeding, salt pushed in upon them. Then to hear them singing in the middle of the night. <laughs> Boy, would you and I have done that? We would have murmured, said, Lord, what in the world have I done that I should suffer this? Don't you think God is on the throne? Don't you think he understands? Don't you think he's able to control the whole thing? In fact, he works all things out after the counsel of his own will. He upholds all things by the word of his power. My Christian friend, there's not an, a moment of your life he ever leaves you. There's no one understands you more like the Savior. And when Paul went through these times of stripes, imprisonments, tumults, labors, sleeplessness, fastings, he did it in patience. Why, he knew the Lord's hand was on the whole thing. The Lord could just say, that's enough. I tell you, my friend, we've got a Savior who not only saves us for eternity, but day by day. He may allow you and me to go through suffering. He may allow you and me to be in sorrow, in afflictions. But we are doubt in patience because he's working something out. I think of that verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We all with open face behold as in a glass or a mirror the glory of the Lord are being changed from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Oh, how many of us will say, won't it be wonderful when the Lord comes and he's going to change us and make us just like the Lord Jesus? My friend, that process of change starts now. It's going on now. It's going on in my life and your life. Sometimes I don't understand why we go through what we go through. But he does. He does. And he knows when to start it and he knows when to stop it. So Paul says, we are in much patience even though we're afflicted, even though we're beaten up, thrown in jail, can't sleep at night, pastings, they don't even feed us. And then that sixth verse, the spiritual graces that should be manifested in all of us. I say this reverently and I say it frankly. In verses 6 and 7, by pureness, 
purity of life. In these days of impurity, days when moral corruption seems to be the order of the day, you can't read your papers or look at your television or what you see, what? Moral corruption, the undermining of morals, and the man of God, the child of God, should be pure by pureness, giving offense to no man in anything, that the ministry be not blamed. How? By pureness of life, by knowledge. Let's not be ignorant. Let us not be ignorant. God wants you and me to know his word. The Spirit of God has come to indwell us that we might know the things that are of God, that we might be exercised by the knowledge of God. This is what he wants. That's what you have in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. Spirit of God, ready to reveal to us the very deep things of God. So you have, by pureness, by knowledge, you don't have to be ignorant, by long-suffering, or... or I'm reminded of that verse you remember in 1 Corinthians 13. Love suffereth long and is still kind. Is still kind. Listen to the verse. By long suffering, by kindness. God give us some kind Christians. Oh, and all Christians kind, I wish they were. And all Christians long suffering, I wish that we were. But as we walk with God, by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. He gives us a little insight to what God is doing with our lives. And the result is we become long-suffering with others. We begin to appreciate what the other fellow is going through. Too often, we're quick on the trigger. Too often, we become irritable, impatient with others. And oftentimes, it's because of our ignorance of what they're going through. You don't know what all the circumstances are. So let us be long-suffering. Let us be kind. It doesn't cost anything to be kind, does it? And if I claim to love the Savior, I will love his people. Not only the lovely ones, but the ornery ones. You know, the weak ones, the failing ones, the stumbling ones. Oh, God grant to you and me, love suffereth long and is still kind, still kind. Why don't you blow up? No, I don't want to blow up. I want to be kind. I want to be understanding. And notice by the Holy Spirit. That's how you do it, by the Holy Spirit. Let me read them again. In stripes, oh, go back to verse 4. In much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, tumults, labors, watchings, fastings, by pureness. The preceding ones were from the outside, the precious from the outside. And believe me, my friend, the precious from the outside are real precious. How well we know it. But what about the inside? What about your life? By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Spirit of God, and by love unfeigned, unfeigned love. What do you mean by that? A genuine love, not a put-on thing, not a put-on thing. Oh, how I love him, yes. Then turn round and backbite him behind his back. Love unfeigned. Oh, God grant to us who are Christians and our Christian assemblies, whatever church you're in, 
God grant our lives will show forth genuine love for each other. Even when we fail each other, you still manifest that wonderful love. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad for that wonderful verse again in John 13, 1? I can't help but coming back to that. Our Lord, knowing that his time was come, that he should depart from this world unto the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them clean through to the end. And that very night, Peter is going to deny him with all sin curses. That didn't affect the Lord Jesus' love for Peter. God grant that divine love, which is indwelling every believer. Why, are you sure about that? Yes, Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit given unto us. Divine love. God's love. How can you love some people? Divine love does that, my friend. God loved me when I was unlovable and unlovely. God loved me when I was afar off, ungodly, in sin, rebellion against God and against his truth. He loved me enough to die for me. Who wouldn't love such a Savior? Oh, my friend, who wouldn't love Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who loved us and gave himself for us? It's what Paul's talking about. Walking with him. We don't want to give any offense to anybody. We want to manifest that patience and afflictions and so on. And then by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by love unfeigned. I love that. Oh, God grant you and I'll be genuine in our love one for another. Deliver us, O oh Lord, from a, a shallow, empty love a passing thing, something on the service. May it be genuine, right deep down in our hearts. We love each other because we love the Savior. And remember, remember, you're going to be with all believers in heaven for eternity. You can't get away from them. You better start loving them now. And some of them need a lot of love. I mean that. By love unfeigned, it's an amazing thing that I find some young Christians who have said to me, Mr. Mitchell, I don't think anybody loves me. I said, don't you love the Savior? Oh, yes, he loves me, but, you know, nobody seems to understand me. I know I'm a little queer, but, but nobody understands me. I'm talking about such people like that who need a little love. My Christian friend, go out of your way to love some of these people, even some of the unlovely ones. Love them. Maybe they're unlovely because nobody loves them. And love will respond to love, but be genuine in it. Genuine in your love. And then in verse 7, again, I'm speaking about these things that should be, these graces that should be evident by the Spirit of God in every believer. See, they should mark the man of God. How? By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. Listen to him. Though Paul's ministry was under intense persecution and tribulation, which he endured, he did it because he had the word of truth. As he will say later on, no one can do anything against the truth. When this generation of blasphemers and opposition to the truth will pass off the scene. The truth will still be here. 
Down through the centuries, God's people have been martyred and persecuted and kicked out and not wanted. But the word still goes on. If the Lord tarries another hundred years, pray God he won't, but if he may, and this generation passes on, the word of truth will still go on. You can't do anything against the truth. It's God's truth. And he will take care of his own truth. And we as workers together, we're still dealing with this. We're workers together. And we're to be patient in this ministry. Why? By the word of truth. Oh, it's a wonderful thing to know that when you're giving out the word of God, you're giving out his truth, irrespective of opposition or whatever the opposition may be. The truth will continue on. The bearer of truth may pass off the scene, but the truth continues on in spite of all opposition. By the word of truth, by the power of God. Ah, and the power of God is behind every truth. God is behind his word. You remember when we come to chapter 10, of which I will speak more later, and Paul says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Mighty through God. By the armor of righteousness. So when we as Christian workers, or as Christians, when we seek to please God and walk with him, our life will show forth practical righteousness. And we're going to be patient in this by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. Here you have Paul dealing with his patient endurance. And now we come to an amazing passage from 8 to 10. Sometimes Paul was commended. Sometimes he was treated with disrespect and slander. Some didn't even know him. Some ignored him. Some didn't want him. And yet some did want him. Some were well known to him. And you, let me read it to you. It's talking about being approved by honor, by dishonor, by evil report, good report. Look at these paradoxes. There are nine of them. By honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and were not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing all things. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. Let me just stop right here. I, I read those pretty fast, didn't I? But look at these, look at these nine things by honor and dishonor. Whether I'm honored or whether I'm dishonored, I'm going to minister as an approved servant of God. I'm going to be ambitious to be found pleasing to him, whether I'm honored or whether I'm dishonored. Say, man, Christian worker, how about that with you and me? We all like to be honored. What about being dishonored? What about dishonor? But they got no ground for that. So what? Paul says, I'm honored and I'm dishonored. Evil report, good report. I'm evil reported. They tell lies about me. Did he defend himself? Oh, no. Oh, no. God will take care of that. And of good report. As deceivers, 
That was what they called Paul, that he was a deceiver. He wasn't right. He wasn't honest. As deceivers and yet true. As unknown. Huh. Do you want to be unknown, Christian worker? Paul said, I don't care whether I'm known or unknown. As unknown and yet well-known. What's the difference? As long as Christ is glorified. As dying. And you remember in Corinthians 15, we die daily. That is, he was expecting martyrdom day after day. As dying and behold, we live. As chastened, disciplined, and not killed. As sorrowful, and yet making many rich. As poor, making many rich. Poor in this world's goods, yes, but rich before God. Having nothing, and yet possessing all things. He could say, all things are ours. Whether it's of God or of Christ, of the world, of things present or things to come, all things are ours. Why? Because we belong to him. I tell you, you talk about patience in tribulation, endurance. Listen to what this man is saying. I tell you, my Christian friend, God granted you and to me something of this in our own lives. Do read those first 10 verses again, will you? And look at these paradoxes and see what Paul, through it all, was patient. This is what he's talking about, the patience of the ministry. Now the Lord bless you today. May be glorified in all that you are and all that you do for his precious name's sake. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. We trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.